What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle Project Podcast. This is your host, Nick Marcos, and this is my newest project where I'm sitting down with local business owners and community members who truly embody the hustle mentality. We're going to dive in deep and get their amazing stories of the ups, the downs, and everything in between. So whether you're an entrepreneur, you want to be an entrepreneur, or you're just someone who enjoys hearing the stories behind our community's movers and shakers, this is the podcast for you. So tune in and take pride knowing that we have these great people with incredible stories living right here in our neighborhood. Make sure you tune in weekly for our newest episodes. For more information, check out our website, hustleprojectpodcast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Project Podcast. Enjoy this week's episode, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Hustle Project Podcast. This is episode number two. This week, I sat down with George Varelis, the owner of the Irontown Diner in Saugus. And man, what an amazing story did he have to share. George has been through a lot of ups and downs in his life, and he didn't really have a lot of support from a lot of people around him. But throughout it all, he maintained a positive attitude, he continued to work hard, and he continued to hustle. And when he finally got his break, he delivered big time. So for anyone on the North Shore looking for a story of inspiration and hard work and grit, this is it. George, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me. So you grew up in Peabody, right? Correct. And... Your parents were in the restaurant business. Your Correct. uncles were in the restaurant business. Yep. Cousins. Everybody. Extended family. What was sort of your first introduction to the restaurant <sighs> business? I mean, my first introduction. My bike got stolen when I was 13 years old <laughs> from my aunt's house. Oh, God. This is going to be a story, huh? <laughs> and I came home. I told my mother my bike got stolen. I need another bike. Right. I go, what am I going to do? I don't care. I'm like, okay, well, I need a bike. Right. Go to go to work. I'm 13 mile. Where am I gonna get a job? Right. Next thing you know, I'm working at Brothers Deli in Salem with my okay. uncle. Yeah, yeah. So that was your family's business, right? Yeah, that was one of my uncle and aunts, and um, started working there. I mean, it was just you know, it was pity money. Right. You know, I'd sit there for five hours and hand me 20 bucks. What were you doing? Washing dishes? No, I mean, I was handing out bread. I mean, running errands. I was just messing around with the guys, pretending to sweep floors. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, but I knew that's I mean, how I was going to get my bike. That's an early, that's, that's real early. Oh, huge. I mean, I mean, it's technically not even legal. I had I no mean, idea what I was doing. Right. You know, I thought I was really working, but, you know, little do you know, they were just like, I feel bad for this kid. Give him some money, buy a bike, you know? <laughs> and so you saved some money and you bought a bike. I saved money, I bought a bike, and I was like, wow, that's how it works. Right. And then I remember trying to just, you know, make more money to get pegs on my bike and stuff like that because right. I was always into bikes and, you know, cars and whatever. And I remember I just started going to my neighbor's lawns, taking flowers out, wrapping them up in tin foil because that's all I had, trying to sell them. They're like, "Kid, what are you doing? You just stole my own flowers, trying to sell them to me." Hustling. Yeah, you so had to. Is, I mean, this is early hustling for oh, yeah. George. Yeah. So you you got your first job. You're working at Brothers. Mm -hmm. Is that it? Like, are you hooked? You 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 love the restaurant business, or what did you think of it? Did I you, mean, at first, was it just a job. It was just a job. It yeah. really was at first. I mean, I didn't get it, but I understood that you work hard to get what you want, right. and that's what kind of clicked in my head. So I'm like, that's, that's the only way I'm going to get it. And that's what you saw. You saw by working there that yep. you know, working hard pays off. Of course. Yeah. And I mean, from, and now your parents owned a restaurant as well yep. in Lynn. Yep. And when did you start? So did you? So I started working there. I mean, it was a different type of business. It was more fast food. Right. So like at 13 years old, I couldn't really be in front of a fry later. But once I was like 15 years old in high school, I started working there maybe three or four days a week, nights, 
know what I mean? Right. I would leave early. You know, I was a little spoiled too. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to clean up. <laughs> I got to do homework. You know, wink, wink. Like, right. no, I don't. <laughs> but you know, I did work there. I mean, and I cared about it. I mean, it was a family business. It's been there for what forty something, fifty years. Yeah. So, um, and for everybody listening, uh, George's parents owned Minos Roast Beef and yep. Lynn. Uh, which is like a legacy business in yep. Lynn. It's so it's a landmark. Um, I'm from Lynn originally. It was definitely a go-to for me. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't been there recently, but back in the day, it was yeah the place to be. Yeah, I mean, it was if the you didn't know where it was, exactly. Then, it was yeah. in the top two or three fast sure. food places in Lynn consistently, and it was really fast service. They did a really yep. good job. Very small building, very small parking lot. For anybody who's listening who who knows me knows you know what exactly what I'm talking about. It's like a it was the kind of place that you just you, you had to get in and out in 10 minutes, and somehow they could execute that quickly. Yeah, I mean, see, that's what it all comes down so to. So it kind of makes sense that you couldn't work there when you were 13. Exactly. I mean, I was fast. way too slow. I yeah, mean, you know fast. what I mean? But, I mean, they had a down pat. I mean, there was no parking. Right. They figured it out. Right. And I mean, like you said, you were in and out fast. I mean, it they had a good system. Fast. They learned how to use it. Yeah, they did. Yeah, definitely. So you, you worked at Minos for a little while. It still doesn't sound like you, no. <laughs> you were really... I mean, I still was in love with the restaurant business, but, you know, I started... Detailing cars, like I, I clean. When like, did that? When did that start? Because we actually had a run-in. So me yes. being in the automotive business, I was just getting my start. Yep. And I think we were both starting around the same time. We were. And you were, you were doing detailing. When um, was this? Two thousand eight. Two thousand seven. Two thousand eight. Yep. Yeah. And I remember you were going around doing detailing for dealerships too. Yep. And you did some work for us too. I, I did. just think we were too small. Yeah. We just didn't have enough cars at the time. But. Yeah, I mean. Was that your first venture into sort of being an entrepreneur, doing it on your own? Because you're, you're working for someone else, it's a whole different ballgame. But what was sort of the first time it was legitimately a business? Not selling well, roses in tinfoil. Well, I mean, I tried. <laughs> it didn't work. But actually, me and one of my cousins started Buffer Bros. I was, that's what it was called. Right. Uh, I was 14. He was 15. None of us had a license. I mean, we would go around. We would ask. I remember my, my aunt was getting her nails done. And I asked one of the ladies that owns a nail place, she didn't even speak English or understand English, if she wants a car detailed. She's like, what? Like, I don't understand you. I'm like, just give me a car and it's 100 bucks or whatever sold it is. It. You sold, sold it. Yeah. And uh, we started doing that. I was young, didn't have a license. I had someone driving home. We started like that. I mean, then I started detailing cars, my neighbors, my family. Talk about just hustling, huh? So. Talk about hustling. So you're literally just making it work. You're just yeah, you're trying mean, to find a way to get people to bring their cars. Yeah. You used to do a lot of the stuff out of your driveway. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, this is when when people say like, oh, it's so tough. Like, it's so hard to get a job. It's so hard to make money. I mean, it's so easy. It's so it's right easy there. is what you're saying. Yeah. You're just hustling. You're I'm, just, I'm using my mother's water and like some <laughs> soap. I mean. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. And it worked. So now you guys had a business. You had a Buffer Bros, yeah. which was your, your detailing yeah. business. And what happened to that? I mean, after that, I was doing it, you know, summer to summer. And... So this is while you were in school? Yeah, while I was in school. But then when you're in high school, you know, I'm still working at Mino's. And, you know, things are changing my life. I'm getting older, hanging out with friends, girlfriends, this, that, the other thing. You know, getting ready for college. And, you know, I kind of didn't want to go to college. Right. I mean. Did you go to college? I did. You did. Where'd you go? Suffolk University. In Boston? Yep. And you got a degree? Entrepreneurship. Oh, wow. I didn't know yeah. they had that program there. Yeah, that was the first year they had the program. That's really cool. And I was like, what? Yeah. What the hell is that? I mean, mean I'm, I'm like so against it, but I like it. You know, like I like the fact that you, I think it's interesting. But, but it's weird. It's the only so thing I don't agree with it is you can't learn how to be an entrepreneur. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a hands-on. Yeah. It's either in you or not. Right. Exactly. You know? so, so what was, so how did you feel about that? I mean, so you went to school. I mean, did, I went to school. It, it was hard. I mean, I wanted to go. I didn't know what I wanted to be. Right. I mean, even today, like I told you earlier, like my brain's all over the place. I'm thinking business, business, business. Right. Why? I don't know. It's yeah. like, I just want more. I don't know what I want, but it's there, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a bug. Yeah. It's a that's bug. exactly what it is. Yeah. And I, 
I have the same thing too, and it's almost like a discipline to, tr- to to make sure you learn how to put your blinders on and f- stay focused. Because especially as your business is successful, like it is now, or it gets more successful, it's a lot easier to be distracted because you're less hands-on in the business. Yep. So you start thinking, well, what else can I sort of do to keep my creative juices flowing? Because yeah. uh, eventually you you get a little bored, and yeah. that's probably why you're habitually changing the menu at your restaurant I mean, every always. day. Always. I mean, it's, I get so it's a sick of it. Itch that yeah. You're, yeah. That you're. I mean, I do it for the customers. I mean, I do. Well, for me, it's right. just part of me. It's always innovating, always changing. I mean, so at Suffolk University, you took entrepreneurship. Yep. Would you recommend a, a young guy who or young girl who's looking to become an entrepreneur do that, or do you think it's better? And this is a cool question because a lot of people sort of can agree or disagree. But do you think you're better off spending those four years working for somebody, sort of learning, or do you think you're better off in the classroom? I mean, you need a little bit of both. Um, honestly, I think hands-on is better. Once you're touching something, you're learning something, you're seeing something, you're calculating something, a right. real problem, that's the only way you're going to learn. Right. I'm like, books are books. So what is so what is the half, you think, academically that you're... I mean, academically, I mean... The discipline of just the, exactly. learning. Yeah. And, for I example... I can see the value in that, maybe. I mean, for example, like, I met these real angel investors from class like from school they came in they talked to us we had to do a presentation in front of them and sell them a product and it was 100 percent real i actually pitched a salad dressing that i had this story is going to go bad <laughs> tell me about it so people would love to hear sure. i pitched a store i mean so you story. developed a salad dressing while i developed a salad dressing it was an old mino's salad dressing the greek dressing the greek dressing and i'm thinking to myself you know i had a marketing class and they're like oh it's all about brand you got to brand your product build a cult around it like me and you can both sell a crappy product right I put a label on it, you put a label on it. Whoever puts the better label on it, that attracts more people, puts it in the better place, puts it in the better hands, is going to sell it. doesn't right. care what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. But now, if you got the taste with it too, I mean, you're bulletproof. Right. So you're saying you, so I'm saying, you, got, you got a killer product. Yeah, I got a good product, but the only thing I didn't like about it is Greek. Right. I'm like, why Greek? Right. I mean, so I'm like... Yeah, why Greek? What about Mediterranean? Right. I'm like, I never went out and bought a Mediterranean dressing. Yeah, true. And at the time, Greek wasn't that hot. Exactly. I mean, now Greek is hot. Greek, everything is yeah, hot. Yeah, but, exactly. But you know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, Greek exactly. wasn't Greek, hot. Italian, I mean, they're all the same. Right, they are. But I was like, let me do Mediterranean. Brought in the, the customer base that way. I mean, created a cool logo. Uh, did a PowerPoint presentation in front of all these investors. And believe it or not, one of the investors was a professor at the school. I'm not going to say any names. <laughs> but he actually pulled me aside. He goes, are you serious about this? I'm like, of course I am. I'm like, this is not a project. I'm, I'm actually doing this. Right. I'm going to do it. He goes, can I talk to you after school? I said, sure. I mean, we met up. He told me what he can do for me. He had some connections and somewhere and TV guys and some other guys that produced some kind of, um, I think it was jams. And I met with some people, and we tried to take, get this product to take off. Little did I know, he wanted me to pay him. Upfront? Yes. F- for what? Consulting. I mean, I'm 18 years old. Right. I mean. Pay him with what? Pay him with what? I have no money. <laughs> I was working at Jimmy's Allenhurst. Busing tables. Oh, I was working at Mino's. Yeah. I mean, at that time, my parents got divorced, so it was hard. I mean, mm-hmm. I had to take care of my mother. I had to go to school. I even had to tell some of my teachers I can only come certain days a week because the other days I was working or just trying to make a living. You right, know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and I was like saying, if I don't get an A, you can fail me. I mean, I hit Dean's List a couple times. I'm like, sweet. Good for you, I mean, man. luckily, I mean, not going <laughs> I go lucky there. 
I mean, so this dressing thing, I really wanted to take off. I'm like, oh, sweet, I'm going to make a million. Yeah, because it could get I mean, really big. Yeah, man. you never know. We're talking about supermarkets and restaurants. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's huge. So we're thinking, oh, we're going to contact Trader Joe's. It's an organic product. There's oh, no additives in it. I mean, it's all natural products. It's Mediterranean. we got a sick logo. I'm like, sick marketing. I'm like, it's gonna, we're going to make it. It sounds like it is. So how does this story go bad? So here's where it goes bad. I mean, I was on my TV in New Hampshire for like an interview. I met with a couple other people. Next thing you know, my teacher turns around and he tells me, no, he sends me a letter and says he's going to, I owe him thirteen to $15,000. And I said, for what? For consulting. I'm like, I've been paying you like. But did you enter in a, into an agreement no. beforehand? And it's a conflict of interest. A teacher and a student can't work together. Oh, I didn't know that. But, but I didn't care at the same time. Right. I mean, because. I mean, at the same time, I was living in Boston. I was living at one of my girlfriend's houses. I was living with my mother. I was living in Cambridge, and we didn't have anywhere to live. Right. I mean, I was living in Danvers, an apartment, anywhere we can get. So I was like, I'm, I'll do whatever it takes. But then this guy saw that I was getting places, and he wanted a piece of it. Mm-hmm. And to me, it wasn't the money. It was actually just to get it out there. I mean, just to see it. Because I was always saying it when I was younger. So I mean, if this dude had said to you, hey, listen, you don't have to give me any money up front. Like, I'll just take a piece of the action on the back. Then I mean, I would have said, hell cool yeah. With that. I would be like, dude, but, if you want to go partners, let's do it. But he got greedy. He wanted the money yeah, up front. Yeah, and I was like, what are you trying to do? Right. So, I mean, little did he know, I was Googling and researching how to protect myself <laughs> just in case any of this shit happens. And I did. There was nothing he could do about it. And he was threatening me and this and that. Long story short, a teacher I in got the away school from that you're enrolled in. Oh, yeah. That's just sickening, man. And in my head, I'm like, you know what I could do? I'm like, I could make this public. I can get it out there. I mean, my name's, but I'm like, that's not what I do. I mean, I'd rather do it the right way. No, I like clean that. Way, so. Yeah, I like that. So he backed off. He backed off. And you I kind of stopped. It, you know, I, mean, I was young. I was kind of scared. I was like, shit, I failed. Right. And you only were initially going to do it because you had his support. Exactly. Right? Like you, he was exactly. the one who was really going to do all that stuff for yep. you. You know, that was his area of expertise. You had the dressing. Yep. Right, so that's too bad. What happened to the dressing? Is it, is still it on the it. menu? It's, it's still at Iontown, so it's if you want right. to try it, yeah. <laughs> so anybody wants to try that dressing that was going to go national at Trader Joe's, it's, it's at, at Irontown. Oh, yeah. Which you know speaks a lot to the quality of product you probably have. I oh, mean, yeah. All your stuff tastes that good. Yep. So, I mean, so, your, first, so your first venture into, into something that huge was, was that. Was that? Yeah, I mean... You know, so I'd, what do you do to bounce back from that? Now, you're going through a tough time in your life at this point. So going, yeah. you said your parents are getting a divorce. Yeah, so I didn't know where I was going, what I wanted to do. I didn't like the restaurant business at that point. I just felt like the black sheep of the family. You know, my family's all close. Cousins, we're all yeah, best tip, friends. Typical, typical Greek, Greek immigrant, immigrant family. family. I right. mean, that's the way it is. I'm like, yeah. you work for your parents' business. Right, and they know how to do it better, so they're not even... Exactly, so they're not, they wanna, they're not going to support us and do our, you know, the new things and stuff. So, you know what I mean? You kind of just back off. I'm like, you know what? I'm the black sheep anyways. I'm going to do my own thing. Right. Long story short, I graduate college, and I get a job as an assistant property manager. And, um, wow. Completely different. <laughs> I mean, that's like a, I mean, suit and tie. I'm like, I like, to get, curveball, yeah. I'm like, I like to get dirty and you know, work in the yard or build something or you know, cook something. I mean, How is it putting a suit and tie on? It's weird. I mean, I mean, I couldn't put a suit and tie on every day if you paid me a I mean, lot. I, of I looked at myself and I was like, ugh. I'm like, you know, that's not me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But... I mean, I did what I had to do. I got a lot of experience from it, um, believe it or not. So how long, how long did you spend as a property manager? I did it for eight months. And what, did you, what do you think you took away? Like, what was the biggest thing? Just I'm honestly just working with people. Like, customer service slash, you know, employee relations. Like, I didn't realize, because I was so used to, like, the restaurant business or like, kind of, like, doing my own thing, whether it was, like, the dressing or the car detailing, that I never had to talk to anybody. Right. That's, so it was weird to follow rules, skill to work us. with other people. Yeah. So I'm like, holy shit, like... That's tough. Mm-hmm. 
and I learned a lot. I Especially mean, on the corporate side, because yeah. when you work for your family's business, you're sort of, and not that you exploit it, but when you're when you're the owner's son, or the or the owner's nephew, exactly, you kind of get a free pass. You don't have to listen it's as true. much. You, you can sort of, I don't want to say talk down, but you could, you can, you really have like superiority over even some seasoned employees and it's a false sense of confidence in the workplace so you go to a place like a property management company that's corporately owned and you i mean you get smacked in the face i'm like you're bottom of the totem pole right it's a reality check there's no parents to look at you and come on i don't want to i want to get out of work early no 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 yeah and not that you've ever exploited it but it's there's something comforting about knowing that you have it when you it's almost like a it's it's like a card that you rarely ever play, but you know you got it. Exactly. Um, when you work corporate, I, re- I remember when I worked corporate just for a short time, it was the worst experience, and that was part of the reason mm-hmm. why I couldn't hang out. Like I just couldn't, I just couldn't enjoy. I mean, you felt like you were locked up. Yeah, locked up. Like you're literally in vice grips all you're the like, time. You want to promote or say something different that you can help, but it's like no one's gonna listen to you. No, and there's this there's this no. there's this channel of communication that it that you have to go through, and it's like, wait, why do I have to talk to nine people just to get something done? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I talked about this on the last podcast that I did, but that's why I enjoy being a small business because you're nimble, you yep. can adjust very quickly. Yep. Like if you have a problem at at um, Irontown. You can adjust on the fly. Oh, yeah. You switch gears real Instant. quick. Yep. Instant. Where when you were corporate, even if you were able to identify, which they're not necessarily even paying you to identify no. issues, but if you did, just because you have sort of an interrogative mind, like you're looking at things and you're always wondering how you can make it better, you can't do anything about it anyways. No. you got to talk to your manager. He's got to talk to his manager. By the time it gets up, like yeah, it's four months later, four they months, forgot about what you talked about. Right. It's over. The problem probably doesn't even exist yeah. anymore. I love that aspect of being an entrepreneur, being self-employed, is that you can make those adjustments every day and you can sort of get, there's a lot of enjoyment in making those adjustments and then oh, yeah. and then getting the great results out of it. Or, or not, sure. but the learning lesson in between. So you're done property managing, or I'm sorry, you didn't finish. So how did yep. you exit? So, I mean... I think it was, I was eight months in, I kind of just had enough. It wasn't the people, it wasn't the company. The company was awesome. Like the really good people, really good, you know, structure. I mean, I've learned a lot. Like, so I can't, you know, I don't regret it at all. But I decided, I was online and I saw this mobile detailing company in LA. And I was like, I love detailing. I love cars. That's my thing. I'm opening up a business. Buffer Bros for real. So Buffer Bros was when you were a teenager. Yes. Right. And it was sort of uh I mean, I never really thought I would like it. You know what I mean? Right. I did it just to make some money. So it was like, a, yeah, it's like the, like my lemonade stand when I was yep. a, when I was a teenager. Same thing. So for you, it was it was car detailing. So now you saw this new stuff that was coming out, which was mobile detailing, which was starting to get hot, right? Yes. Like, um. Yeah. I mean, so I had an idea, and I just said I went with it. I found a trailer. It was about fourteen thousand dollars, and it had a big power washer and it hold, held all four, the equipment you need. All the equipment, generator, gas, diesel. 490 gallons of water. I'm like, this thing was like everything I needed. I can take it from here to China and, you know, power wash a building. <laughs> so I'm like, this is what I need, but I don't have the money. Oh, God. Yeah. So what do I do? I mean. Hey, they don't give loans for that. No, I mean, I asked around. I have some family members. I, I mean, what do they think of it? Not for money. What do they think of the idea? And everyone's like, I don't know anything about it. Find something that knows something about it. Ask them. I'm like, I know what I want. It's in my, it's in my gut. I'm like, I want to do it. Put it right on a credit card. It was like 14 grand. On your own credit card. Yeah. So what you said your gut. Yeah. What did you mean? What do you mean? I mean, like, cause I mean, I was looking for approval, but I know what the approval answer was. You were looking I, for I, someone I, to validate. Yeah, but what for, you already. But did. now that I see, look back, I'm like, why? I'm like, I knew what I wanted. Let me just go do it. Right. But it's like you're at such a young age, you're scared to take a risk, but you want to. Right. 
I wish more young people took more risks. I mean, now's the time to afford it. Now's the time to do it. Yeah, and think about what it did for your confidence. Yeah, huge. Moving forward. Huge. You know, win or lose, and, and you won. But win or lose, I mean, you take a risk and you deal with the consequences. That's life, man. Yeah. That's life. And few people get to actually test themselves like that. And if you do it enough, it becomes something that you look forward to every day. So you you made a huge, I mean, 14 grand. How old are you? I was 20, right before I turned 22. 22. Yeah. So I literally made the same investment at the same age. No shit. Yeah. The landscaping. Landscaping company. I remember you. $15, I remember that too. $15,000 to start. That's insane. And if I tell you how many people told me I was crazy, graduating from Northeastern with a degree in engineering. Yeah, but you didn't go start and cut. You knew what you wanted to do. I, I don't. I just didn't care. Like to me, I wanted to hustle. I, I couldn't hustle as an engineer. There was no hustling. No. I mean, sure, you could you could call it hustling, working corporate. That's just not the hustle that I wanted to do. Same thing for you. So you're like, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna figure out a way to do it because yep. this is what I want to do. And you know what? The stress and all that behind it and did all the answers. Did you pay the credit card off? I didn't. <laughs> I did. It took me a while, but I did. Right. I mean, the stress and everything behind it, that was the best part of it. Yeah. How am I going to find the customers? I'm like, I had no idea. How do I open up a legal business? I'm like, Google. I don't even think we had This is Suffolk University then. Entrepreneurship 101. Exactly. Right. I mean, and then that's an actually where I put that to place. I mean, I learned how to open up a business. I knew how to protect myself. I knew the difference between an LLC, a corporation, S Corp. I knew uh, what I okay, had yeah. to do. Okay. I mean, I knew I could run this business out of... You know, it was a mobile business. I didn't need an office. I didn't have to pay rent. I had no overhead. I mean, I've done it all. I mean, I calculated it. I'm like, this is all profit. And was it a, was it like a big success or was it? Yeah, I mean, my first week out, I went to um, a marina in Salem. And I told him I detailed boats. I've never detailed a boat in my life. I like it. Ever. I mean, I've done a lot of cars, I power wash buildings. I mean, houses, roofs, this, that, the other thing. But a boat, I've never even seen one. I mean, I've never <laughs> been on one. I, you know, I don't like boats. Get away from me, boats. But I know boats can make you money. Long story short, I told the guy, I detail a boat. I'll sh- I mean, if you like it, call me back. I'll come do more. I Googled it again. I figured out how to detail a boat. He liked the job. He called me back. He gave me 50 boats that season. Whoa. Next thing you know, I land a contract with the power plant next door. And it was a huge contract. And we washed about 100 boats a day. I did that for about five years straight. Wow, so you hired a crew. So I hired a crew. I bought a bunch more equipment. Of, bought more equipment. And that at that point, I mean, you had guaranteed money coming in, so now I got to work on other stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started social media, and I started going, you know, detailing cars at other people's houses, doing corporate events. You know, it just blew up. What was the name of the company? Buffer Bros. It was still Buffer Bros? Yep, at that point, yeah. Oh, wow. I had to call my cousin. I'm like, is it okay if yeah. I just... <laughs> Did you get that in writing? I, I mean, at that point, I, I partnered up with one of my good friends, and we worked awesome together. I mean, he comes from a car background. His father owns um, Auto Body. I mean, actually, he's at that point where he's taken over now, and he's going through the same things we're going through. Is So it still exists? Buffer Bros doesn't. I mean, we ended the corporation, but I'm saying my partner at that time... I mean, he's taken over his father's auto body. But I'm saying we both went our separate ways. But, I mean, together as partners, we were like, we hit it off. Yeah, what made you take a partner on? I mean, he was a good friend of mine. I know he needed work. He's a hard worker. I mean, he was just like us. Yeah, I mean, so he wanted to work. He wanted to make money. He didn't give a shit what it took. Right, so he had that. He had that in him. He had it in him. I mean, and, and, it, and it took off. So how was it working with him every day? I mean, Good. I mean, we got to learn each other. I mean, I knew what he was good at. He knew what I was good at. We just, it's just like anything else. It just worked. Yeah. It worked. So why, why leave? Why end it? Why? I mean, um, it sounds like you guys were kicking ass. I mean, we were. I mean, there was a lot of things going on. I mean, he had a better opportunity than I did to take over his father's company. And I don't blame him because, I mean, that's the smartest decision he had to make. 
And at the same time with me too, I'm like, I feel like I needed to do more. I feel like that was a good stepping stone. Like I'm on to the next. Right. And what was the next? Well, uh, first, actually, let me go back for a second. So did you guys just let it go or did you sell it? Kind the, of. I mean. The in, contracts were, they were assets. I mean, you had. Yeah. I mean, during the end, I mean, in between this, I mean, I was actually almost hired as um, a government police agency at this time. This is another story. Wait a second. Yes. <laughs> Wait, so you're, you're, oh, you're only. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I forgot about you this opened one. up the can of worms. Go ahead. All right. So this is, I was probably, what, 25, 26 years old when we, um, you know, Buffer Bros came to an end. And, but years before that, when I was like 22 years old, I applied to a government police enforcement agency. And is this uh, sort of like what, when you were exploring, when you ended up going property managing at that time, were you exploring that? Yeah, I mean, I d- exactly. Okay, That's yeah. exactly the you time. You got the property was. managing job, so you sort of just. Yeah, I mean, I'm more hands on. I like danger. I mean, I like to get dirty. I like rough stuff. I mean, and I figured this job, I'm like, I get to like kick doors down and break windows and maybe like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, right play with right, guns. I'm like, right. this is cool. But um, they actually called me back, and I'm like, I went through a couple of interviews. It was a three-year process. Wow. And next thing you know, I'm ready to go to Quantico, Virginia. For training. For training. And Is this FBI? Are you allowed to talk about this? Or I don't what? think so. But, <laughs> I mean, nothing too crazy. Don't worry. I mean, I wasn't hired. But um, I got disqualified because of my back. I had a bad back injury because I used to do like, submission wrestling. Oh. And I hurt my back. They found out about it. I'm like, it didn't work out. I was like, oh. crush me. I was like, no. No. <laughs> So where, where does that take you? I mean, that kind of crushed me because I was like, oh, it's guaranteed. I mean, right. I mean, I thought, you know, I thought I was gonna get it. I really, really did, and I didn't. And I mean, I mean, that would have been so much fun. But you know what? It happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just motivated me to do something else more. I mean, so you're now you've gotten rid of the the detailing business. You pursued this for a little while. Yep. Didn't, didn't work out. out. Yep. Is this sort of now are we getting into the realm of when Irontown Diner yes. is starting? Okay. So All right, take me there. What year are we at now? Now we're at about 2011-2012. Okay. And I didn't have a job. I a couple of years before that I moved back into my house with my mother, so I kind of got things situated and stuff like that. And I was like I need a future. What am I going to do? And I was hanging out with my uncle at at that time. I mean, we were traveling the country shooting guns and trap shooting and stuff like that and Became really, really, really close with him. So you're unemployed? Uh, unemployed. Just no job. Just hanging out. I actually worked at his son's liquor store and whatever I could to bring in some kind of income. I was confused. I didn't know what I had to do, but I knew there was something in me. I knew there was something that needed to be done. So that's when we were driving through Saugus and I was like, my uncle goes, that would be a good spot for a restaurant. I'm like, oh my God. Random. It just clicked. Just random. Random. Now, give me some backstory on your uncle because. Clearly, it was a good choice, and it sounds like it was just a, a, a gut reaction from him. So what's his story? Who's, who's I mean, he's like the lucky charm. Like, okay. he just is so smart and thinks 10 steps ahead of everybody and everything he does. Like, he knows what's coming. He knows the wave. He's, so is he, he in the business? Is he a restaurant tour? Yeah, he's a restaurant guy. I mean, he's opened up a bunch of restaurants. He's into real estate now and to developing now. And I'm like, he just, I mean, his business just took off. And I'm like, his business is himself. Like, that's him. Right. Like, his brain is his business. Like, he is... It's a the sharp bu- guy. You know, he's the man. Yeah. I, I mean, I know who your uncle is, and I'm asking these questions sort of more just for the people that are listening, but he is one of those guys. He's like an old... He's an OG yeah. hustler. Yeah. OG hustler who's elevated himself to, like, the next, next level. So he he's just driving by this place in Saugus. He's just like, you know what? That would be yeah, a great Yeah, he's spot. like, that's a place. And I'm like, oh, my God, I used to work right down the street. I'm like, when I used to do property management, and this place was dead. There was nothing in there. Um, it actually had a nice Italian restaurant, a Dunkin' Donuts, 
In the plaza. In the plaza. In a bank. And a dry cleaner. And I'll probably say half of it was empty. And I was like, that is, in a liquor store, sorry. I was like, that is a perfect place for breakfast and lunch. Yeah, and it sounds like a perfect place to negotiate a good lease. Exactly. I called the guy, left a message, never called me back. I called him again, left a message, never called him back. I called him again. He picks up the phone. Hey, stop calling me. No restaurants. <laughs> Click. I'm like, what? Who the hell is this? I call again. Hi, my name is George. I want to open up a restaurant. I have a great idea. I'm like, no more restaurants. I don't want any more restaurants. There's been way too many restaurants. I've owned this property for over 100 years in my family. Click. I'm like, whoa, how am I going to get through to this guy? I called again. I lied. I said it was one of my other uncles that opened up all the brothers' delis. Okay. He, like, took, I, he took you a lot more serious yeah. stuff? Yeah, and he's like, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. Then he's like, no more restaurants. Click. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> I called again. I pretend to be now my Uncle John that was in the car with me. And I told him I own Garden City Poe or whatever it was in Beverly. He goes, wait, I got a horse farm right down the street. Come tomorrow. I want to talk to you. I was like, wow, oh, that worked. All right, you got through. So finally we got through. Next thing you know, we open up a restaurant, Irontown Diner. So, Complete build-out. Right. So this is like a, just a totally empty Oh, yeah. I mean, it took me space. nine months to build. I mean, I was in there day and night shoveling up concrete. So was your uncle involved? Oh, he was definitely involved. Awesome. I mean... I didn't have two nickels to rub together. Right, yeah. I mean, he signed a loan for me, you know, got me off my is feet. Is it true because, and I don't want to um, put your uncle out there, so you don't really have to answer this question, but is it true that your uncle helps a lot of your... Oh, you, everybody. Yeah, I mean, he, from what I know, from what I've heard in the oh, yeah. community, he's a very, he's a, he loves to invest in his family. He does. Yeah. And I, I mean... That's really cool. And then when you, I tell you, he you guys are very lucky to have yeah, that because I mean, there's a lot of families out there where, you know, you can't even get five bucks from your parents or your uncle. Yeah, that's what you I'm know, saying. Uh, never mind. I mean, I could give you stories of my family. Yeah. You would blow yeah. you away. But that's a that's a blessing. I, I mean, I am so like lucky. Amazing. I'm like, honestly, people are like, oh, you know, business is successful, this, that. I'm like, no. I mean, if my uncle didn't do this for me, I would not be on this mic. Well, he opened the door. Well, he opened the door. He opened the door. And but he, I'll tell you and what. He guided you. And that's, dude, that's. But that's what you need. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a mentorship thing. I exactly. Mean, that's, that's what we need. Hopefully, someone can listen to this podcast exactly. and find some inspiration. I mean, he inspired you. I mean, you know, maybe you can do that for someone else someday. That's one of my missions. I mean, that's what you life. need. Like, he probably he saw in me what I can do, what I'm capable of, yeah. my ideas. And he's like, you know what? Let me invest in him. And he did. He did. And, and I'm so grateful for him. I mean, that's. And he was know. right. Again. Oh, yeah. Again. Again. Yeah. Again. So. Yeah. This guy seems to know what he's talking about. So you, so you're, so this is big. So this is not fourteen thousand dollars on a credit card. Oh no, we're this is <laughs> we're talking huge. big is, money. We're talking I mean, I didn't own a house. I mean, right. I lived in my mother's basement at the time. Right. The only thing you had was time. Yeah. The only thing you I could mean, give was time. Right? That's it. I mean, I wasn't married then. I yeah. didn't have kids. I'm it's like, not like you had owned five restaurants no. and you were an expert. You were, you no. were really gonna. You were just testing yourself. Yeah, again. I was you doing were, this. You were gonna put yourself yeah. out there and test. And I'm yourself like, again. I never did breakfast and lunch. So why? So let's go to let's get there actually because th this is an interesting. Um, so there's a restaurant in the plaza. Is that why you chose to go breakfast and lunch, or uh, was, was this part of the plan no matter what? This was part of the plan no matter what. No matter what. So was this like this was you or you and your uncle together or? I mean, breakfast and lunch just seemed more ideal. I mean, I feel like diners were just starting to come out again, and you know you can make an upscale diner, not your typical like stainless steel like fifty style diner. Right. Like, I'm talking about. Gourmet style diner, homemade right. real foods. So like comfort food, but um, comfort food, yeah, but more gourmet. Like more I gourmet mean, we food. we twist everything up here. Yeah. For me, growing up in a diner, um, you know, I always remember breakfast and lunch 
were sort of the bread and butter of my dad's business. And dinner was always sort of a struggle because dinner involved more creativity. Like you had to actually switch everything for dinner and it takes a lot more work. You have to have another shift of employees. So otherwise the restaurant business is known to just kill people. It just kills people. But at the same time, it's, I haven't had a day off in six years. I'll be open six years on September 9th. Wow, congrats, man. And on the time you've been open. On the time I've been open. (laughs) Not how long it's been. Sorry. I mean, (laughs) but... You know, it's tough. Right. I mean, every day, like, I'm the only person that goes on the computer that has a Facebook account that posts a specials every day, that creates a specials every day. Oh, you're doing all that? I do everything. Grinding I mean, every day. If the toilet's clogged, hey, that's I'll why fix you're on it. the Hustle Project podcast. Yeah, I mean. Straight up. If, if, if the wall's broken, I'm the carpenter. I mean, if someone needs to get fired, I'm you're fired. I'm Donald Trump. Like, it, it is what it is. Yeah. So you're opening this restaurant. Um, like, name. You, you had to come up with a name, right? So... Actually, speaking about Easy Pie, it's funny now that we're saying this, but... Yeah, we were talking about... I just did my first episode a few days ago with Spiro Stogiani over at Easy Pie and Revere. Shout out to you, Spiro. What's up? Um, but we were talking about the show a little earlier, so that brings in... So this brings it in because he's right near the Harley-Davidson dealership. Correct. And I was into bikes then, and I had my motorcycle. And, you know, they call it an iron horse, you know, a motorcycle. Right. And my wife saw my logo on my T-shirt, the Harley logo. She's like, oh, that's a cool logo. And she's like, wait, what do they call it? I mean, isn't that an iron horse or something like that? She was saying, I was like, yeah. She's like, what about the ironworks in Saugus? She's like, what about Irontown? I was like, ding, like, oh, perfect. Perfect, perfect. Perfect. So, I mean, that's how we got the name, Irontown Diner. I mean, if you know, fit, at one point we opened perfect. up, I opened up a car dealership in Saugus and we were going to call it the Irontown, we were going to call it Irontown Auto Sales. And we didn't end up because we yeah. for different reasons, but that name is just, I mean, it's a, strong. It's a great name. It's I mean, a, I love it. It's a great name. And if you're from Saugus, it means a lot to you. That's, oh, yeah. Of, I mean, that's, that's, that's like a, that's like a throwback. I mean, right. that's like another mentor. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, you got to give it. You know, well, you instantly get for. you instantly get credibility from the city too, like yeah. from from people in the community because they're looking at it, saying, "Well, this guy's, you know, he's he's here to serve the community. He's not yeah. calling it. This is not an no, ego. It's play. not George's. This is not George's no, diner. Of course not. No, which is an ego yeah. play. This is more like, hey, look, I'm a, I'm going to serve the community. Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to name it after the community. Yeah, I serve. That's the way it should be. Yeah, and it exactly what it should be. I like it a lot. Um, so you chose the name Irontown Diner. You're doing this build out. Takes what nine months? You said it takes about nine months. You finally. Ready to open. You got your menu. So how menu? Talk to me about menu. So oh who's God, <laughs> so an anxiety attack talking about a menu. <laughs> so menu development. This is something totally new to you for sure. Oh right? yeah. Like, I, I can't imagine the daunting task that must be because this is just, in my opinion, when you open any business, right? All you're doing really is you have an idea of what's gonna work. You put it out in the marketplace, you wait for feedback, and then you make your adjustments. That's business, right? You yep. make it, you create something. You wait for the feedback from the marketplace, you and then you... You got to fix it quick. Very rarely do you just get it right the first time, but usually you have to wait for the feedback. You have to pay attention to all the feedback, and then you make your adjustments. So talk to me about... Oh, my God. What? So you created this menu. You put it out there. What was the feedback? Awful. Awful. I mean, we printed a real menu for the restaurant. I think Cisco, one of our you know uh, distributors, printed it for us. It wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be. I mean, there's a lot of mistakes. We looked over everything, but this is this is where you learn. So I ripped them all up. Oh. The same the night before we opened up, I went to uh, FedEx. I rewrote the whole menu. I didn't have a computer at the house or the printer at the house or even in the oh, office. Oh, like a, like a Staples? I mean, my office at the diner was the size of, I mean, a mop closet, like nothing. I mean, it was n- like you couldn't even fit nothing in there, not right. even a book. So I had it on paper menus the first two weeks we were open. 
I mean, oh, every wow. night I was going to FedEx making adjustments. I was ready to blow my brains out. I mean, I got all this feedback, and what happened was it actually created my so menu. So that first menu you made, you're saying the feedback was bad. People, oh, yeah. people hated it. Awful. So it wasn't the food. It was just what you were... It's not the food quality that they didn't like. It's just that people didn't, people weren't in the mood for. Well, you know what? It was kind of embarrassing too. I mean, I did it on white paper. I mean, I ripped up these beautiful menus. Right. What was wrong with those menus? There was a lot of mistakes. Oh, just. Just like spelling errors. Like I didn't have time to look over it. I was so overwhelmed. Yeah, and that's not a good look because people come in, they touch that menu. They yeah, they mean the just ketchup all over them. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> but luckily, after a month, we got them fixed. We got our real menus printed. I mean, and it just took off. I mean blew up it wasn't like a steady gradual growth was that I one mean, boom one, one major adjustment or a whole bunch of little adjustments i'm mean, a whole lot of little adjustments i mean but Over we figured time. it out i mean after three months we opened i remember i'm like i need someone else to work i need someone else to work i'm like what the hell's going on here it just kept getting busier and busier and busier and busier so the community was very responsive yeah instantly where they it's, it sounds like they were like almost itching for i mean yeah it was, it was almost like they were waiting for us waiting for you yeah i mean we got approached by the phantom gourmet about a year in, it, did, it was just. What did that do for your business? I mean, that blew us up too. Yeah, and you know, like we were talking about before the podcast, when you get featured on Phantom Gourmet as a restaurant, it's basically a lock. Oh you're yeah, gonna be bombed for a while. Oh yeah. Now, and as long as you follow through, you've got. Oh yeah. You're going to gain a lot of customers. I mean, they still promote us now, and it's been four years. Yeah. I mean, we were on another TV show, Wicked Bites. Yeah, I've I mean, heard of Wicked Bites. All of this stuff. I mean, it really does help. But then I'm like looking back. I'm like, what brought me there? I'm like, social media. All the posts I did, mm -hmm. all the tags I did, all this different specials I put on the menu. I'm like, I saw what got me there. Right. I'm like, and no this one is stuff that you picked no up one made on pretty early. Yeah, I mean, no one made a phone call. I mean, no one paid for any kind of advertisement. I'm like, this is just social media and word getting around. I'm like, I don't believe it. Like, word of mouth is a huge advertisement. Right. And it's free. For a local diner, it's like, it's, it's your bread and butter. I mean, you can't afford, if you have someone who has a bad experience, you can't afford to let that. Right. I mean, I remember my dad. Um, in the restaurant, customer service, I mean, he, my mom, he was fortunate. My mom worked the front of the house. My dad worked, you know, as a cook. And my mom was very charismatic. And she would do a really good job of making sure everybody was happy and having a good time. And she focused on that. My dad was more quality control on the food side. Of course. But if you nail those two things down as a diner, that's it. That's all you need. You just have really good food and really good customer service. Well, you know what? I learned from other people's mistakes. Not saying that your father made a mistake. No, but no, no, like, no, 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 no. He's the just, experience he's different is a error. Different, different error. error. Different the experience error. that they Creativity tell me. Creativity wasn't a prerequisite. No. Then. Now it's, you need to be creative. If you're not creative, you don't have a shot. But I'm saying how much better could you run your business than your father with what your father told you? Not that you're better than your father because no, he's probably. But, but I grew up in a different place with a different, but different exactly. education. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, that's level. how I feel with my parents and my family. I mean, and that's what I took that they couldn't and I put into this. Right. So you took the core of, of their knowledge, but then you also threw in that twist of like, hey, look, I can see things yeah, I totally mean, differently. You were complaining about that. So I'm gonna fix it. Well what I were those things? Because so I look at your menu and if anyone's ever seen the Irontown menu, which I'm sure if you live on the North Shore, you've seen the Irontown menu. And if you haven't, you're crazy. You need to get to yeah. Irontown. But there's some crazy stuff like s'more French toast. Like I see Yeah, some we have all that funky stuff, Sushiril Benedicts. Um I mean, we do apple French, to uh, apple donut French toast. Apple, that's just I mean, we just do funky, weird stuff. I'm like, we do pizza omelets, like so everything, whatever you can think of, we can but do. But that's not your primary thing. Like, no, those are all specials. specials. I mean, I change them. Lunch specials, we, do, we change every single day. Do the bulk of your customers enjoy the more breakfast. traditional breakfast I mean, meals? Like you know what? Everybody, I love it. They all try the craziest stuff on the menu. 
It's like I put a Mr. Miyagi Benedict. I don't even know how that came into my mind. Well, maybe right. because my wife's Japanese, but I, and it sells. It's crazy. Right. I mean, we're at Dinah. What's Mr. Miyagi Benedict doing here? What's he doing on the menu? Really? Right. Yeah. You you would even argue what why you would want to even have that. I mean, menu, why you would develop to something like that? But I mean, it people keeps love people it. keeps people engaged. Yeah. You know, if you're just selling eggs and bacon. Um, people will only go there so yeah. much. But if you give them an opportunity to switch it up every once in a exactly. while, it's a brilliant move. I mean, I mean, eggs are eggs. Me and you can buy the same exact eggs. They're going to taste exactly the same. Right. Yeah, someone could cook it better, less greasier, more beautiful plate, more beautiful service. That's the only thing benefiting you from selling that same egg I'm selling. Right. But someone could take that egg, add it to something else, switch it up, mm -hmm. show you that they're being creative with it. I mean, they're going to win. Yeah, and that's what you did very well. I mean, you need to get out and try Town if you haven't because... George has literally mastered the diner. I mean, um, so take me back. So now we're, you developed a menu, you launched it, you got some negative feedback. Awful. It, you turned it around, though, and you turned it positive. Where do you go from there? Is expansion on your mind? I mean, you're now, how, how many years you've been in business now? Six, yeah, so six years. right now it's been almost six years. Six years. You would, I would consider it an extreme six. I would say of, it's in the top tier of restaurants on the North Shore. It's yeah, I definitely. Mean, we're voted. I mean, there's a lot of restaurants in Saugus. I think we're, you know, on certain websites. But if you believe it or not, I mean, I look at it, but it is what it is. But we're number one or number two on, you know, TripAdvisor or whatever. I like to believe it. I like that because it just shows me where I stand. Right. But no matter what, I'm always going to believe I'm the best. I mean, I mean, that's it's natural to my baby. Right. I mean, that's my whole life. Right. That's a good attitude to take. I, I remember at one point, um, and I only know this because I, I sort of try to pay attention to what's going on locally with businesses, but... You, expansion was on your mind. I mean, you, you at one point had gone to the city, the town of Saugus, and requested yes. more space in the plaza, and you guys were going to expand to more seating. Now, before, I say, before you say anything, let me just ask you, I mean, it sounds like such a great move, and so many businesses will take the bait on that. Um, but it's sometimes the most, it's such a critical thing that sometimes makes you so vulnerable that it could be a big mistake, too, because... When you're busy and you have a four, how many seats does your restaurant have? Right now, about 139. So if you have 140 seats and you're bombed and then you make it 175 or 180 and now all of a sudden the energy changes in the store, is that why? I mean, I, I, I well, want to guess right. Well, here's the thing. I, I want to say, I can't remember my first occupancy permit. I want to say it was around, it was under 100. In the same space. In the same space. And my second year in, I've heard a lot of complaints People saying, oh, there's, there's a line, let's leave. There's a line, let's leave. Not the food was bad or I don't want to wait. Yeah. I mean, they have to get back to work. I'm like, no. And I would chase customers right. out. I'm like, no, 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 we have room. They're like, well, then why is there people waiting in the vestibule? I'm like, first of all, the vestibule is tiny. Mm -hmm. Second of all, they're waiting for their other parties to show up. So if there's like a, we have a lot of two tops. So if they're not empty next to each other and we have to accommodate a party of seven, we have to wait till table's empty so we can push those two together so those people right. can sit. So people didn't know that there wasn't a line. They were just looking at the people waiting. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge problem. So how did you expand? So you had only 100, 100 seat capacity. Yeah. Now you're at 140. So did you figure out a way to get 140 in the same square footage as 100? No. I mean, I wish I could, but we actually just did an addition. I mean, we took, we took an empty spot that was available to us, blew down the wall. So you did end up expanding did. into that. Yep. Oh, okay. Second because year in. I didn't think that you did. I remember hearing that you were gonna, and then I never heard anything yeah, from that. We so did. I mean, it made a huge difference. Okay. So I mean, no more people waiting on a slow days for them to be seated. I mean, it was just a big difference. So this is one of those rare cases where 
it worked. There was because a lot of small businesses don't want to wait for demand. No. They want to they want to build the castle before the empire. But you know what? I had to take care of the customers. I mean, you were losing if business. I don't, yeah, if I don't take care of the customers, they will not take care of me. Right. And I can't take care of my employees. Right. You know what I mean? It's a chain. Of, I mean, it, you have to. I mean, for them to complain that they think there's a line, there's no line. Right now, there's a line. Right. A real line. I didn't know that you expanded, and, I, and now it makes sense, actually, because when I go to the restaurant, um, it does feel a little bigger, but I wasn't sure. You know why? We took down the same wall, and it looks exactly the same. I mean, we pushed out another 12 feet. It was like 12 by 88, and the same pictures that were on the wall. You moved over. We just moved over. Right. No one notices it. Yeah, the flooring matched and everything. Yep, it's everything. Really cool. Actually, it's a good move. Um, you know, and you probably hear this all the time. You know a lot of people who own small businesses. I know a lot of people who own small businesses. And it always seems like what's on their mind is expansion. It's it's always, oh, I need to I need more locations, especially food businesses, especially food businesses. They want to go, oh, I want to have five locations or seven locations or nine locations. But it's a different animal and it requires a different set of skills to manage multiple locations than it does to have one. Have you ever thought about opening up another Irontown Diner? Yeah, I mean, it's always in the back of my head. I have a bigger plan, more national plan. In the restaurant business? In the restaurant business. Okay. For breakfast and lunch. I mean, my brain's tinkering. It's working towards something. What happened to, like, the Bigfords and the Denny's? Yeah, the IHOP. IHOP. Yeah, they're all selling burgers now. I mean, what's going on? I mean, they're all frozen products. They, you know, I... I mean, I'm not in the restaurant business. I can tell you what's going on in the dealership world or some other realms that I've, that I've invested in, but... I, from what I've heard, food costs are very high. Yeah. Payroll, I mean, that, that's what's killing food. us now. I mean, all the payroll, the taxes, food costs, I mean, they're sky high. Yeah, and what are you doing to combat that? Because a lot of business, a lot of people I know who own restaurants right now are really saying things like, oh, man, it's so expensive. And the customer, the people listening maybe to the show who may be customers or some of the young entrepreneurs or established entrepreneurs who are listening, they probably have heard these things too. But it'd be really cool to get some insight on that. So, like, people are saying, oh, food costs are high. Um, payroll costs are high. What can you do? What do you do? What does Irontown do to curb that? So that that, that so curb that. I'm sorry. So that you don't have to. So there's always. I mean, you know how it is. I don't pay myself sick time. I don't pay myself vacation time. I don't get a bonus. Mm. I mean, you don't get time and a half. No, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. But I mean, I owe it to certain people, and also my customers. I can't. You know, I can't charge twenty dollars for a burger. Right. I can't. Yeah. I mean. Eventually, I mean, that's what the price is going to go to. Yeah. I mean, you go down the street to Wendy's, you see a Big Mac or whatever they sell there for 12 bucks. Right. I'm like, what? I'm like, why is mine 10 or whatever it is with a side and service and water and silverware and dishes? Like, you know? And, and you're making money. And, exactly. So, so what I do is, I mean, I just try to work on the volume. I mean, I just try to see how many more people can I get in and keep my prices the way they are. I mean, let's blast it on social media. Let's create new special dishes. Let's advertise with new way. You know, that's when I started with the car and doing that. And I'm like, I got to bring different people in here to make up for the money that I can't charge I love for. It, man. I think that's a brilliant move. I mean, I'm, we're literally doing the same thing because it's how I run my car yeah. dealership. It's, it's, it's no longer the world where you hit home runs. No. Now it's a singles game. It's small ball. You yeah. got to make a, a few bucks here, a few bucks there, a few bucks here. Um, and then it's a, it's more a game of just getting people in and out and having them have a satisfactory experience and bu- building customer loyalty, so that way you have sort of a culture around your business, and then you don't necessarily have to worry too much whether or not customers are coming. It's more about how many people can exactly. I accommodate. Yeah, I, I think it's a brilliant move, and a lot of restaurateurs, especially 
don't look at it that way. What they say is, well, what's the most I can charge? Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, what's the most I can charge because I make a, a far superior burger? Or the opposite, what's the cheapest I can make it just so I can get customers and not realizing that if you're not turning a profit, you're not. Sure. you got to find that middle ground where you're affordable, especially in a community like Saugus where you're like, you know, hey, look, this is just a middle class community. Yeah. i got to serve middle class people. I can't have a, tw- like you said, you sure. can't have a $20 burger. No. But, you know, it comes to a point where I know what I'm giving out. Like, I even went to a point where someone asked me about my turkey. They thought I was lying. I brought them in the kitchen. I showed them my turkey oven. Mm. I mean, I showed them how long it takes 14 to 17 hours to cook. I'm like, it's not frozen turkey. I don't boil the turkey. I'm like, I steam that. I mean, there's a lot of things we do. We could cut costs so many different ways, but there's no way I'll jeopardize it. No way. It's not worth it to you. No way. Not worth it to you. I mean, your food quality is like, uh, is unbelievable. I mean, in that, and to execute that large of a menu um, and still be uh, consistent all the time and high quality, I don't know how you do it. I really don't. You must have like 9,000 people working in there. But it's just, it's such a big menu and it's such a busy store. You, you're constantly replenishing and restocking, I'm sure. I mean, every day, I mean, we're working on new stuff. I mean, we learn new stuff. You know, the best way to do it is just pretend you're at home and you're making a sandwich for, like, your family member. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't portion anything. I mean, this is a family diner. I mean, that's why I want everybody close. Though. No portion control. No. no. If you saw me with portion control, I mean, chop my hands off. Like, no way. Nothing. I so mean. So you just, you're putting a, you just have a, a big, just a big portion. Yeah, I mean, I know how much to put on a plate and I give it out. And people Fill are like, you're plate. losing so much money. I don't care. I'm not losing money. You're gaining customers. You're I'm just, gaining you're customers. Just not, you're not going to make $5 today. You're going to make $2 for three days. Exactly. And you're going to make 6 People bucks don't see yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I look at it long term. Right. You know, who else is going to come in? Who's going to come in next month? Not today. Right. And I think a lot of, especially the old timers, but more so, you know, just people who don't, don't have the experience that you probably have. It's, they just look at it as a transaction. Yeah. Like a monetary transaction. It's not that anymore. And the thing is, I don't. Like, I truly don't. I can tell. Like, my business is my business. And it is a business, but it is my baby. Well, and there's people, a culture there. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, people say, yo, don't fall in love with your business. Like, of course I'm going to fall in love with my business. Like, I, I, I hate that saying. If you don't love your business, then you don't love what you I do. I want to know what business that guy has. That's what, You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, don't. I mean, I hate that more than anything. Right. Or like my employees. I treat my employees like their family. Right. I mean, when I see them buy new cars or buy new things, I'm like, yes. Yeah, it's great for you, man. It Hell means, yeah. Yeah, it means, it means do it again. doing great. Yeah. I mean, that means that they're doing good, which makes me do good, which makes me do want to better for them. I mean, it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Um, so y- y- you have managed to somehow execute <laughs> like a menu the size of the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> it's huge. When do you develop new products? Do you do that after hours? Do you guys stay late? Do you do it while you're there and it's slow? Like honestly, while I'm there, it just comes in my head. So you're not allocating time. You're just winging it. Like you're just winging it. Yeah. If you feel something, you make it. It's cool. I mean, I love it. Yeah. So that kind of that's something that you just like. If you feel it, you make it, and then you don't necessarily care if the customers hate it or love it because you're not doing that for. No, it's I mean, not long term. It's just no, something you put on. It's just for a something few to days. put it on. I mean, yeah. either people love it or they hate it, but you know, at it's least part of it's, your it's part of me. I mean, that's what I do. Yeah. And people in Saugus probably have come oh, yeah. to know that as being Oh yeah, then we do like Iron Town Diners above. We do a lot of lunch specials too. I mean, we make homemade dinners, we make, you know, fresh soups every day, we have fish. I mean, and that's all the same same ideas. Yeah. So it's really cool. So you you do have plans, expansion plans. I mean I do. Or you're not at liberty. I mean, I haven't it done anything it's it's been working in my brain actually for the last like two months like really strong because mm-hmm. i'm wondering where the breakfast chains right but i got a twist to it i mean yeah 
It's going to be a little different. Well, you don't have to tell us now. I mean, I guess we can find Listen, out on social media. Actions speak louder than words. <laughs> I don't want to say something like, hey, what happened? No, I feel, you, know, you. I feel I mean, you on that. It's yeah. another dream. Right. I mean, this is a stepping stone here. I'm like, I feel like this stone work, like the stone's like planted in the ground. Iron talked, you know, it took off. We work hard. I mean, now's the next step. Yeah. Where do I go from here? That's cool. Without so, jeopardizing. Without quality. risking it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Because that's what you built your business on, you know. So you work with your wife. Yes. And how's that I mean, well, she's home with two kids now. Oh, she's not working anymore? No, oh, okay, not anymore. Yeah. But she did. She I mean, did. it was kind of awkward. I'm like, I want to, like, yell, or she wants to yell, and it's just like, <laughs> do we do this at home or, like, in front of the, you know, in front of the <laughs> yeah. employees? I mean, it's tough. But she was, like, sort of the dynamic that my parents had, right? You should no, be in the front of the house, exactly, and you were in the back. Exactly. Okay, so. And I have my mother there, too, which she's, like, a beast. Like, my mother's taught me so much in business. It is crazy. How's that? So how's working with your mom? Honestly, it's good. I mean, I don't even see her. It's weird. Right. Like, she, I don't. She's, she's in the front. front. I'm in the back. Yeah. I mean, we're both there all day, every day. Like, when I say no days, I feel like, oh, like, he has Sundays. Like, no. Oh, like, wow. every single day. And she's just a beast in the front. I mean, she knows, like, she knows how to treat people. It, it is awesome. I mean, she's good at what she does. Cool. So, I noticed on, um, on your Facebook that you guys do a lot of car stuff. Actually, you do a lot of car stuff. I say you guys, but Irontown is really you. Um, you do a lot of car stuff. Tell me a little bit about this. Uh, what is it? A Thunderbird? I love this I mean, part. a Firebird? Yeah. So you got a Firebird. You had it all done up. Yep. Tell me about it. Um, so I was kind of getting bored. Like, I'm like, something needs to change here. And I think I drove by somewhere on 114 in the area. It was like a real exit realty or something like that. And they had like a, I don't know, I think it was a Camaro with kind of some drag racing stickers on it or like NASCAR stickers. Like a promo vehicle? Yeah. And I'm like, it just clicked to me. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like those little pictures that you see in the 1950s of all these hot rods outside of a diner. I'm like, yeah. that's my diner. That's, that's what I was, you know, almost like it was like an intuition because I'm a car guy. I'm a gearhead. I love them. I mean, since day one, I'm like, that's what motivated me. Like, if I can figure out a way to be successful just to build a race car, I'll do it. Really? Like, so this is what boils your blood. This is what gets, oh, this is the passion. That's inside. my drug. Yeah. I mean, it's car. I don't know why. Like, it just always has been and always will be. You're a guy. Right? You're a guy's guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, the, the innovating of a car is the same thing what I do with the restaurant. I mean, I leave so nothing stock. I need nothing the same. I mean, you always have to, you know, soup it up. So you love to modify. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> you love to modify cars. Yeah. Up. Yeah. So you're really into, what, drag racing? Yeah. Drag racing. Um. I mean, that's where I got the idea to. I'm like, why don't I advertise a business with the car? I mean, so we brought it to the world of wheels. We had it all hooked up. So what'd you do to this car? You bought this. This is what, like a... Um, I had a 2000 Trans Am I got uh, from Connecticut years before. I took it home, tried to tinker with it. I mean, I had another car that was racing that I blew up. I had no time because I was working so much. I had no time to work on the car. I just had a baby. And I was like, how can I promote the business doing something I love? Add to the culture. Uh, and add to the culture, too. Like, tie it all in together. I mean, like I said before, if you don't love what you do, then... No, and this is such a great idea. This so, is such I a mean, great idea. it just worked. I mean, we wrapped a car. You know, I supercharged a car, so it was fast, it was loud. Like, you know, it, it was our business. So it became the Irontown Diner Mobile. Yeah, it was like the fire, like fire bird, like, you know, fire chicken. Like, it, it just made sense, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's what, we, you know... Um, I mean, we got a lot of publicity for it. I mean, we brought in so many people from car clubs and motorcycle clubs and, you know, old timers. Did you keep that car parked in front of the, the restaurant? We did. I mean, we brought it to shows. We brought it um, to fundraisers, stuff like that. I mean, we donated money with a certain amount of sales to, so like, Meals on Wheels. You know, it was just great. So you used it really well as a promotional vehicle. Yeah. I mean, it, and it served its purpose very well. Does it still exist now? It still exists. 
unfortunately, over the winter, oh yeah, I was working on another car to actually bring into the business and advertise this car as like the second Irontown mobile that I've also had for about 11 so years. You, you were going to go for, with a full line. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> I didn't want to stop. And, um, during this time I was peeling off the wrap on the other Trans Am, the Firebird to get this car ready for this big unveil. I mean, like, the Trans Am was more exterior looking. I mean, the, now this new project that I want to do, it was more under the hood. It was all the customization. It was all right. the metal work because Irontown, Right, you know, right, blacksmiths, right. like here's a modern day blacksmith, look what we can do. Right. I mean, chrome pipes everywhere, turbocharged, like insane over 1,000 horsepower type deal. Didn't turn out so good. I mean, we had a lot of issues with the car, still working on it now, probably working on it after this show. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's coming. I so mean, now I, you have I, I promise everybody, <laughs> and they're all waiting. I mean, I have customers into it and sharing stories. That and, number two is coming. Yeah, I mean, now customers are calling me up. Hey George, I got my my. I love it, man. Sixty nine I mean, Camaro. I got it. People get to come and eat a great breakfast oh and be God. involved in, in in your projects. I mean, what else speaks to the community more than I that? Mean, I love it. I mean, they I share see the stories. now that you even have people coming by with their exotic cars. Yes. And you guys are taking pictures in front. Yeah, I mean, I get calls every day. I get emails. Are you there? So I'm like, I'm here every day. Like, I want to take a picture. I want to show you my car. I'm like, they'll bring it out back. They'll show me the car. Tell me stories about it. They had it in the family for forty years. I'm like, it is so cool. Yeah, I mean, man. I love it. I don't know, man. I mean. It's just, it's just that story that you have, this, you know, how you handle your business in Saugus is if anyone out there is listening and they're in the diner business, like start taking notes. Like oh, this yeah. is how you do it. Uh, hats off to you, dude. I mean, Thank you. we got to wrap this thing up. Um, but I really just want to say, honestly, you are just crushing it. I mean, you're the epitome of the Hustle Project podcast. I mean, Thank I you. need to find more people like you. If anyone out there listening is like George, please contact me. I need to have you on the show. But you're killing it with the Irontown Diner. You're killing it with the car stuff. Um, keep doing the great work, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, if anyone gets a chance, you want to shout out the restaurant? Yeah, I mean, um, we're at you know Irontown Diner. We're located at 327 Main Street in Saugus, uh, right off the Fellsway. I'm like open 6 to 3 every single day besides Christmas Day. I'm there all the time. Come see me. Yeah. Bring your sure. cars by. Bring your cars. Um, and bring and your- an empty stomach. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, all right, guys, this wraps up episode two for the Hustle Project podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.